Hi, I'm Monica Hallen and this is my podcast, Let's Talk Money. Every Friday, a new episode will drop that gives you a snapshot analysis of one money-related topic that has meaning in your life. And then I answer your money questions. My hope is to put you on the path to financial stability and freedom. So, let's talk money. This week, I'm going to talk about a very important subject, something that a lot of you will resonate with. We are going to be taking questions about people in debt. But before that, I'm going to tell you a story. You know, last week I got a call from a friend in Oroville. Oroville is near Pondicherry, for those who don't know. It's a small community of people with a certain philosophy. So this friend was checking if his 62-year-old Italian friends who have lived in India for over 30 years should be buying medical insurance. An agent, he said, was chasing them and was offering them 15,000 rupees of premium a year for 25 lakhs. So he was just asking, does it sound right to you? Three things rang alarm bells in my head. You know, one was that an agent is chasing 60-plus couples for a health insurance plan. Did you know that people over 50 find it very difficult to get health insurance? Insurance companies consider them high risk and don't want to give them a cover. And here is an agent chasing them, okay? Second, the premium and the cover sounded a bit off. It sounded too cheap. Premium rates go through the roof as you age. It looked too good to be true. Third, these are foreign nationals who've lived in India. They live in a bubble called Auroville. They have limited knowledge on how to buy medical insurance. I think I heard you say that even you don't know how to buy a medical insurance. Okay, let's do this. Let's do a basic checklist. First, if you are in a nuclear family, you buy what is called a family floater. You know, you have individual plans where you cover each person for the family with an individual cover, like 5 lakh, 7 lakh. Or what you do is you buy a 10 or 15 or 20 lakh cover, which covers the whole family through one cover and that limit is expandable. So one person can use 5 lakh, the other person can use 3 lakh. As long as you don't hit the ceiling, the cover is flexible within the family. It's a good idea to keep senior citizens on a separate policy because, you know, in medical insurance, in a floater plan, it is the eldest member of the group whose age is considered. And as I just said, that the older the group is, the older the person is, the higher is the premium rates. So family floater for the nuclear family. Second, your lowest premium in this case may not be the best. All right, in a health insurance policy, a good mix is the right price with the right benefits. What is the benefit of a medical insurance policy? When there's an event of hospitalization, the policy should pay. They should reimburse you for the cost that you have incurred. But health insurance in India is a minefield of fine print. And I'm going to go through some of them for you to at least check with the agent. It's impossible to go through the policies. It's, you know, 30 pages thick with legalese. But if you know some of these things, you can at least ask your agent who's getting a very fat commission, remember, on your policy to check on these things. What is the first thing? That there should be no co-pay. What is a co-pay? It is that you are agreeing to pay a certain percentage of the policy claim. So whether it is a 10% 
it's a percentage or it is a flat amount 25000 50000 1 lakh so your policy should have no copay second it should have no sub limits you know what a sub limit is you'll be shocked they slide in these things where they put limits on what your hospital room rent can be at a maximum they might have a sub limit of say 2000 rupees a night and if your room costs 5000 then the rest of the 3000 you pay from your pocket a lot of the doctors charges a lot of the other test charges are linked to your room rate so you really out of pocket if you don't look for the sub limit clause you should know what the exclusions are so every policy will have a list of things that it doesn't cover the most common things of course are pregnancies dental surgeries cosmetic surgeries check 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 ask for a list of exclusions look at that check for the pre existing disease clause they will exclude diseases that you come into the policy with some policies will cover it you know there isn't a long waiting period before they cover it some policies will cover it after 4 years so check for the pre existing disease clause insurance is regulated by irdai and they a few years back did something which is very important in your favor they said that a medical insurance company cannot refuse a claim 8 years after you have bought it and funded it for every year okay so be careful that you fund your medical insurance policy and then after 8 years unless there is fraud they have to pay it doesn't matter what is excluded you know they have to pay the claim according to the policy document fifth and very importantly you do a google check to see if the company that you're considering has a good claims experience which means that what percentage of people are paid when they go to make a claim that number should be well over 90% it is so difficult to go through all the policy documents work with either a broker or an agent and then check out some of these points to see what you are getting in that policy and you're asking what about the cover for the orovillians that's where it all started i asked for the name of the company i found that the claims history has been very poor i disclosed the agent commission to them that this is what he's probably going to make that's why he's chasing you i put the family on to a couple of financial planners in chennai and i'm hoping that they got the plan they wanted Okay and now for your questions and this week we are talking about debt it's very serious may what do you have for me So I've got someone called Marigold from Thane and Marigold says I lost my job during covid and ended up in a cycle of debt with rotating balances on my cards a personal loan and money I'd borrowed from friends and family My total loan outstanding is 7.5 lakhs and I'm back in a job but I'm only able to save about 23,500 rupees a month. I have 3 lakh debt on two credit cards, 1.5 lakh each with 3.5% interest on one and 2.5% on the other. The loan looks too big to pay off and will take years and years. What to do? sounds really tough marigold and what you need to know there are a lot of people in your situation and especially covid was a real killer for people who were out of jobs and they took on debt just to survive 
And you know, when you go into debt, our brains tend to freeze. We tend to go into a no action mode. But you need to do many things. And I have a long list for you, Marigold, so listen up. You have to find any savings that are hiding in a fixed deposit or jewelry that can be sold to raise some cash. You have to raise some cash to start paying back the debt. It is too much. It will take you a very, very long time. And you're on a credit card debt, which is a killer. You might have to ask your family for another loan so you can just step off the cycle of debt. You know, Indian families are so forgiving. You are lucky that you're here. Please reach out to them. As long as you promise not to get in this situation, I'm sure they'll help. So I want you to start paying off the loans in a lump sum as soon as you can. Next, you have to line up all your loans and stack them with the highest interest rate first because that's the loan you're going to pay off the first. You just said that you have credit card debt, which is one of the worst kinds of debt to have. You owe one and a half lakh on a loan which costs you three and a half percent a month. Your savings deposit gets you three and a half percent a year and you're paying three and a half percent a month on this and another one which is costing you two and a half a month. You know, if you just paid back your three and a half percent loan first, it would take you nine months just to pay this back on the savings that you have said you have. And meanwhile, your second card will start gathering momentum, right? So we need to find the money to pay off this very high cost loan the first. Whether you can transfer the balance to a lower interest rate, you can sell your gold chain. I'm sure you have one. If there is a moment to sell gold and assets, this is it. You sell it so that you get out of this cycle of debt. Then you come to your next loan, which is 2.5% a month. This is going to take you eight months to pay off if you just do 23000 a month. I would suggest you find more money and try and close your credit card debts as soon as you can. Needless to say, you have to cut up your credit cards because obviously you've not been able to handle this piece of plastic. It's the lure of easy money, Marigold. Till you get into a more prudent place, don't use this. Use UPI, use you know money that you have in the bank. Now you have also a personal loan. My advice is talk to the bank. Sometimes the banks will understand where you're coming from. They will judge the intention to pay back. They might do a waiver of either interest or extension of the payment period. Explain your circumstances. See if there's some relief. Banks might want to do a settlement that they say that, okay, you owe us, say, two lakh, but we're okay to get one lakh and we will close the loan. That's one way, but what happens is that everyone now has a credit report with these credit rating agencies like Sybil. It'll stay as a black mark on your report for seven years. So settlement is an option, but this is something I would put right at the end if there's no other way. Because what happens when you get a black mark? Your ability to get a fresh loan, say a home loan, a few years down will get hurt with that. You've borrowed from your friends as well. Talk to them. Give them a line of sight. Tell them you intend to repay. Tell them when they can expect their money back and that it will come back. And lastly, you have to find a way to increase your earnings. Take up a side hustle. Do some extra hours. Get a raise. There are two ways to hike savings. You earn more or save more. In your case, you need to do both. I know it's a little bit of tough love, Marigold. But, you know, being in debt, you lose respect for yourself and the people who you've borrowed from also lose respect for you. So it's a bad situation to be in, but there is a road ahead. 
you just have to get out of this place that you find yourself in where you're frozen. Your first step has been to talk to me about it. The next would be to start dealing with this debt in a step-by-step -step manner and the intention to pay back and to get out of this hole has to be there. I'm wishing you a debt-free life ahead, Marigold. The second question is come to us from Trichy. This is Shri. I have a student loan that I'm aggressively paying off. I want to take another loan for a bike, but don't want to get into a debt trap. Any warning signs that I can look out for? Shri from Trichy, I like your attitude. You have absolutely the right attitude to be afraid of more debt. You're afraid of being in a debt trap. So your basic attitude is exactly in the right place. The first thing you need to do is differentiate between a good loan and a bad loan. A good loan will enhance your ability to earn more, like an education loan, a bike, which saves you time, and you can use that time to do more at your work, earn more money. A bad loan is one which is only a lifestyle loan, like for dinner, for clothes, a vacation. It does nothing to enhance your earning ability. So that differentiation is, you've got to make that is the bike a lifestyle debt or is it going to make your life more efficient so you're more effective at work. But you're asking for warning signals and there are many warning signals I have for you. I love the analogy of traffic signals to warn you about your debt is getting out of hand or it's within control. So if your equated monthly installments, EMIs, are 30% of your take home, we're on green light, which means we're okay. Up to 30% of your take home, if your EMIs uh, soak up that much, you're fine. If your EMIs at half of your take home, 50%, we are at orange light. Okay, the danger zone is beginning. This is the stage you start cutting back on lifestyle. You start cutting your discretionary expenses. Now you're hitting 60. 60% 60 of your take home is going into EMIs. That's red light, okay? You stop investments. This is the place where you take drastic action. You redeem your fixed deposits to pay off your loan so that your EMIs come within manageable levels. You start selling assets just so that this 60 doesn't become more and you don't have money left to live on. What are the other signals? One is that you find money is tight. There's more month than money. Hmm? Your money is finishing a week before the month ends. Third one is that, you know, these get-rich-quick schemes start to look very attractive suddenly. Markets will double your money in two years or some crypto coin will come which will solve your problems. If your uh, phone suddenly starts to have these pop-ups about easy loans, then you know that you're thinking about it, you're scrolling something and those ads are beginning to show up. Fourth, your Sybil score begins to drop. What is a Sybil score? These are personal credit rating agencies who are tracking your financial behavior, okay? So you're being tracked. They give you a score depending upon your habits as a debtor, as somebody who has borrowed. So a score over 750 is excellent. If you're falling below 650, it is cause to worry. I have a feeling that you will never be in a debt trap because you have already proactively reached out to ask for help. Your question is showing me that you're risk averse and... Remember, the first step towards financial stability is the intention to never be in debt. So I think you're doing fine. The third question comes from Imti from Gohati. 
Somebody in our office committed suicide as he had taken a loan from an app. He could not pay and they began to call his family, his girlfriend, and began posting his pictures on social media. They would call at all times of the day and night and use filthy, abusive language. We're all devastated. If only we knew, we could have helped. What could we have done to have prevented this horrible, horrible end to a precious life? Imti, that's a terrible story. What a terrible situation, not just for the family of the person, but all of you associated. A death like that has so much collateral damage. And it's, you know, always the question, what if? And you've touched, Imti, on a very important part of dealing with indebtedness. What can the people around do? You know, the question of how do you stop being the person everybody asks for a loan? And how do you not be the person who pushes that person who's asking for a loan over, you know, that I didn't give my friend a loan and look what has happened. So it's a very, very difficult situation to be in. You know, if you find someone who's asking for a loan over and over again, you need to do a few things. One, if you are a close friend, you need to get involved. You need to look for the warning signals. We've just mentioned some warning signals in the last question. Think about that. If people start withdrawing, stop communicating. These are signals that there is a problem. Talk to the friend. Encourage him or her to talk to the family. Many times, you know, families have absolutely no idea what's going on. People go into a shell. And, you know, families do help. Nobody wants this final step to be taken. So you have solid support at home. Ask your friend to take it. And encourage people to talk to their offices, the HR. A lot of places at work are very supportive, especially in the organized sector when there are large companies, MNCs. They will have ways to deal with issues like that. And let me broaden this up. People in debt need to follow three steps to get back onto safe ground. You have to accept that there is a problem. You have to talk about it. And then you have to recover. You have to first accept that you're in a hole. A lot of people I have personally known who have been in debt have been in denial that they have a problem. They are in denial that this can get out of hand or is out of hand. So the first thing is to say that I am in trouble and I do need to get help. There is always a way out. You don't have to take that final step of getting out of this game. So remember that story of a rat in a vat of buttermilk? Churn, churn, churn and then jump off to safety. You have to struggle. The more you struggle, the better are the chances that you will get out of it. So you accept that there's a problem. Second, you start talking. You talk to your family. You talk to your friends. Talk to your workplace. If you isolate yourself, your mental state will go for a toss. Third is recover. You know how it works. There's thought, then there's word, and there's action. So if your thoughts are only dark, you can only go lower than that, right? But if you start affirmatively saying, I will get out of this debt, there is a road ahead, there is a way to deal with this situation. Commit to yourself, list out your loans, List any remaining assets that you might have. You know, a lot of times we don't understand that there are things we could actually sell. There are assets that we have. Talk to the family. Families will sell assets just so that you can get out of this one place that you're in. 
Of course, you will cut up your credit cards, you will delete all the loan apps and you will promise your family and yourself that you will never be in this position again. So, Imti, I wish you and your friends a debt-free life. So, Monica, I have a couple of either-or options I wanted to ask you for anyone who's in debt. Firstly, EMI or SIP? Yeah, me. when you're saying EMI or SIP, I'm assuming that there is only that much money that you can service one of them. It is definitely the EMI. You stop your investments so that you can pay your debts. So EMI over SIP. In fact, not just SIP. You stop investing if you have one of those traditional insurance policies or a ULIP or you're doing a recurring deposit. Whatever else you're investing in, you stop so that you can pay your EMI. You have to be debt-free before you can invest. And my second option is premium or EMI. Yeah, this is a difficult one because premiums are for insurances. Look, your medical insurance is extremely important because if you don't have medical insurance, you are getting further into debt in case a medical emergency happens. Life insurance is important for the family who's depending on you. But if you have some of these bundled insurance plans, you know, the money back, the endowment, whole life, ULIPS, that is an investment. It's hardly insurance. You stop that. I would say you have to find the money to pay both your basic premiums, medical and pure term life, plus your EMI. Like I said earlier, you find the money, ask your family, sell some jewelry, sell some assets so that you're able to do both. The only thing you can get rid of is the premiums on the investment-linked insurances. And you know, May, some of the most prosperous families I've met, they have large debts and they are embroiled in legal cases that really suck away their entire lives. So debt is one of those issues which, like a termite, eats you up from inside. So please, everybody, be debt-free. And that's a wrap for today. I enjoy answering your money questions. Remember, I don't look at individual portfolios. I don't recommend products. Look upon this space as a place to ask strategy questions, doubts, and just basic things that you might not understand. Each time you have a good money outcome, I feel that I have one. To make sure that you don't miss an episode, press follow and help your friends get money smart by sharing a link with them. You can reach out to me at mailme at the rate monikahalan.com. That's Monica with a K. Tag my social media handles at the rate monikahalan. And finally, remember that you should have money and money should not have you. So let's talk money again soon. Bye. Let's Talk Money is hosted by Monica Halan. This is a Made in India production. Creative Director, May Mariam Thomas. Project Manager, Sean Phantom. Head of Audio Production, Karthik Kulkarni. Producer, Meghna Gulati. Sound Editor, Sartha Kre. Artwork Design by Alika Gupta.